Welcome to Ahsoka, a Star Wars podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial podcast for the journey between this galaxy and the next. My name is Matt, and joining me in the co-pilot seat is Pete. Hello, Pete. Now there's a familiar name. The Ahsoka podcast by Fantastic Geek ignites our lightsabers for part six, far, far away. Pete, interstellar journeys galore. Tomorrow we'll be talking Lower Decks, episode 404. Slightly different stakes than uh, this episode of Ahsoka, but I think, Pete, that's how it's built to be. I mean, you say that. We had the uh, direct reemergence of our season-long mystery uh, connected to the A-plot, so that'll be fun to digest. But, Matt... That is but an appetizer for the biggie. We've been talking Fantastic Geek's 10th anniversary and earlier this week. Put a little something something up on our Patreon. But tomorrow night is the gala. That it is. Looking forward to uh, being able to reflect on 10 years of Fantastic Geek. And uh, what we're going to be doing, Pete is we're going to be doing a Google Meet that is open to all. It's going to be September 24th, that Sunday, at 6 p.m. Eastern. And we went back and forth, okay, how do we share the link? Because everybody knows sometimes there's these Google Meets, Zooms, etc., where somebody shows up and you don't want them there, or they're saying things, or all of a sudden they don't got pants. Uh, so open to all, separate from that Patreon exclusive that you just mentioned, Pete, open to all on patreon.com slash fantastic geek is the link to the Google meet where we're going to, uh, as well as the time and so forth, Sunday, September 24th, 6 PM. So just want to stress that. Yes, we, we, we do like to hit up every podcast and say, here's how you can go to the Patreon for exclusive stuff, but anyone is welcome to get that Google meet link on patreon.com slash fantastic geek. The link is there right now. It'll go live Sunday, September 24th at 6 p.m. Looking forward to 45 or 50 minutes of uh, reflecting, mingling, conversation, and so forth. Yes, black tie optional is the dress code. So we hope to see you there. What we won't see, Matt, apparently, news earlier this week that Guillermo del Toro was going to direct a Star Wars written by David S. Goyer several years ago. I know that I think it was on the uh, the the Patreon exclusive conversation that we had a couple of days ago. I know um, I made the observation, which certainly has been observed before by me, by you, by lots of people, that Star Wars... <laughs> If you want to put it negatively, Star Wars, Lucasfilm, Kathy Kennedy, whatever you want to, however you want to personify it, uh, Star Wars has this um, trail of bodies of movies not made. And I've continued to think about that and seeing this news about Guillermo del Toro, an insanely talented director, David S. Goyer, who's got tons of success. Um, oh, Pete. What's the bad Star Wars movie that got made? I know we disagree slightly on Solo. It's not bad. What's yeah. the bad Star Wars Disney Plus show that's been made? I know we've discussed, okay, sometimes Book of Boba Fett is a little wandering in the first couple episodes. I think they made what they wanted, though. Yep. It's it's win after win after win. 
surely there's been a great Star Wars script that Lucasfilm has killed that that could have gone on to be amazing. But you know, they're being ultra um, ultra picky, ultra choosy. I think it's maybe informed by the solo experience. Did it come out at the right time? All these questions about the solo movie. Um, but I would have loved to see the Del Toro Goyer movie. I'm going to assume it was not up to the high standard, which has produced great movies in the in the Disney uh, Kathy Kennedy era. Great movies, great TV shows, and no complaints, no duds. I think they are talking about uh, episode nine. I think they tried to pivot to them and have them do it. Um, the story seems to indicate there was a lot going on at the time. Uh, whatever, man. Like, what the casual person doesn't understand is that every project that even gets made in Hollywood is on death's door at least three times. Um, so things happen. It's it's so difficult, even with talented people and schedules and uh, studios and talent and all, all this other stuff. Um, yeah, that uh, it, it doesn't happen. So, all right, stories like this come out. You mine any franchise hard enough, you're going to find these uh, near misses. So it is what it is. Uh, but Matt, on the positive um, we've had the uh, guilds speaking with the producers past several days. Uh, there is optimism. There is. The Writers Guild, uh, as we record early Saturday morning, the Writers Guild will be meeting today. Uh, they've met the last several days, maybe Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, the informal feeling is that a deal for the writers could come at any time. Now, of course, Anything could snare it anytime. Uh, buzz from the room. It's always wonderful how, you know, somehow stuff leaks out to reporters. And and recently, I think it's the Hollywood Reporter, it's using language, studio side sources, writer's side sources, and so forth. Um, I think it was Thursday evening. The Thursday evening, they were maybe quite close, and at 6 p.m., the writers came in with new demands, and that ticked off the CEOs who then walked out and closed the session for the day, a session that was supposed to close at 6 p.m. anyway, um, which I feel like that's a good negotiating tactic on both sides, um, but then they met the next day, so they weren't so angry that they didn't continue to talk, so I think the feeling is, you know, Pete, it, might, it could be today, could be tomorrow. Uh, we're, we're, we're approaching the Yom Kippur holiday for those who celebrate it, particularly in Hollywood, uh, on Monday. So that might be a built-in buffer, slow down, uh, pause, uh, in negotiation. But I, the sense generally speaking is that we are days or weeks, you know, away, whether it's five days, three weeks, two weeks, whatever it is, maybe home stretch. And I feel like possibly if you get the writers squared away, then certainly then there's the pressure on the actors to resolve, not that they need to accept anything less than what they feel is the best deal for them, the best, uh, you know, acceptable deal and all that. So optimism, Pete, optimism. Well, we will have to see how this plays out. And with that, let's chart a course into this episode. 
Purgle calls Echo through hyperspace as the pod travels between galaxies at speeds never seen before. Safely inside the mouth of the largest Purgle, Huyang marvels at the experience, and Ahsoka remembers the stories he would tell when she was a youngling at the Jedi Temple. History of the Galaxies Parts 1, 2, and 3. She thinks 1 is the best. He still has them in his memory archive. He asks if she'd like to hear one, but not right now. He asks if she has a story for him, and she confesses there's something she didn't tell Hera about Sabine, that she went with the enemy willingly. Hu Yang doesn't believe it at first and calls it troubling. Ahsoka recaps Sabine could have ended it. No Thrawn, but no Ezra, Hu Yang points out. Ahsoka thinks it was fate to make the choice, and she didn't have enough time to train Sabine to make the right one. And Yang says the Force gives her insight, but for Sabine, it may have been the only choice. Wonderful opening here. Love the visuals of the rainbow star streaks as we are at hyper hyperspace. Um, ludicrous speed is ludic- now canon, Matt. <laughs> Indeed. Um, curious, I'm not even saying a negative one, curious choice uh for some of the close-ups of ahsoka to have her looking very close to the camera at the camera um certainly visually striking if nothing else um but then of course ending with ahsoka saying she would like to hear a story uh an old story of the galaxy hu yang starting a long time ago in a galaxy far far away goosebumps as he said it and Look, obviously, Star Wars has used that as the on-screen text, and you know, iconically in the movies and so forth. I'm surprised, at least to my knowledge, maybe the, maybe this has happened in animation, but to my knowledge, this is the first time that has been said in in a Star Wars story. My memory of it being the first, and you know, now that there's potentially a frame mechanism for all these tales, that these are these. Uh, you know, history of the galaxy that Star Wars is this collected thing and potentially Hu Yang and others like him are keepers of this. Pretty, pretty cool that that could be part of the mechanism. We cut to Sabine in a cell, Balin looking in, wondering if she is taking enough time to reflect on the state of things. Uh, He walks on, perhaps he's walking on their deal. Uh, a, a, a through line in this episode he goes to the bridge and sees shin and morgan uh, and speaks of that deal which he says he's going to fulfill of course as part of a larger plan the ring ship arrives at paradia the homeworld of the dathomiri and uh, a death point for these star whales shin and the guards collect sabine and the shuttle goes to the surface we see it's a challenging landscape, uh, and they land at the temple, seeing a trio of witches, which, Pete, for the amount of time uh, I spent with the um, 
the Star Wars Fallen Order video game. I, I, I was grinding through trying to finish it this summer. The amount of time I spent dealing with a sometimes friendly, sometimes unfriendly uh, witch towards the end of the quite good story that that game protects. My wife immediately was like, hey, it's one of those witches from Star Wars from the game. And I was like, oh, I guess you're watching. Um, <laughs> so, it, it, I mean, if nothing else, yeah, that's a very, very well, uh, well-made game. I don't know that it's necessarily canonical, but here I am, Pete, back dealing with the witches of Daphomir and all of that, and it felt very familiar to me. Interesting that uh, the whale bones, I mean, were we to believe that the entire ring around the planet was all these whale bones uh, at the end of this migration route, or w there were just some? Um, you know, that Phelan said it, it was a graveyard where they came to die. I think that was a potentially an arresting visual and, and certainly ominous that along with the giant statues with the mouths agape before they reach this, you know, central structure with a similar, you know, henge to that on Setos. But these Night Sisters each holding an orb emitting red energy that they deactivate as their guests approach and Morgan bows to them and she's welcomed as a child of Dathomir and thanks the great mother later all of them referred to as great mothers um, who asks if Morgan heard their call uh, which she acknowledges their visions guided her there uh, Shin remarks to her master about more witches and the great mother says they've waited a long time for Morgan and she came as Thrawn promised. Morgan asks uh, where he is and another sister tells her she will wait as he's coming. So the relationship, you know, not quite clear between them a third sister says it reeks of jedi and uh morgan looks at sabine even though balin and shin are right there and full credit to the way this is shot and the expression used by uh natasha liu bordizo uh you know like who me i i can't make anything move and you got these others over here uh this jedi presence you know felt threatening uh the great mothers as you noted pete they're all so great that they're all great mothers apparently uh ultimately ensnare her in the uh with the energy of what uh pete in the world of hell heraldry they call besonance uh that's your gold balls uh let's not forget james bond's crest has three gold balls on it but these three gold balls in Star Wars, uh, ensnare her and uh, take Sabine off to uh, what we will see as a another solitary cell. Um, and there just appears to be no way out for uh, for Sabine here. Uh, an unwinnable situation, perhaps. Although it's early in the episode, I think there might be some sort of hope. Asking all the while where Ezra is. Later, the ship that brought them down uh, heads back up to the Eye of Scion, and Balin and Shin survey this other henge. He calls 
this a land of dreams and madness reminiscent of children's stories, but she's never heard them because she wasn't raised at the temple. Um, she says that sometimes stories are just that, but he explains when he was a bit older than she, he watched everything he knew burn, which he could not make sense of. And he views history as inevitable with the fall of the Jedi and the rise of the Empire, an endless cycle. She asks if it's their turn now with their alliance to Thrawn to gain power. He tells her that power is fleeting and he seeks the beginning to bring the cycle to an end. Be doubtless for a sub-sub-subset of the Star Wars viewing population. This scene led to basement dwellers throwing empty cans of Jolt Cola at the TV. The, the, the audacity that sometimes stories are just stories and sometimes stories are just for kids. Ah, oh, it must have upset an angry few. We cut to Sabine, who is in her cell, practicing the Force. Uh, of course, when last we saw her uh, employ that ancient art, uh, we we saw that uh, the her skill level was low. Hu Yang has told us the least potential ever and things of that sort. All of a sudden, things start to move. Is it her great awakening uh, in Force-moving things? But no, now it's more than the door. It is the room. It is the building. Uh, it's not from her. Indeed, Pete, it's from that massive Star Destroyer, one that has battle scars and signs of repair. Uh, and, you know, just really wonderful use of the uh, the uh, TIE Fighter Bay. It lowers, it. the Star Destroyer lowers itself on top of the Temple's Spire. Arresting visuals here. Uh, and subtitles tell us that we hear Enoch preparing the troops, uh, revealed to be night troopers. Much discussion about them in the future. They're calling out Thrawn, Thrawn, Thrawn. We got the wide shots of Thrawn approaching. Uh, we have the medium shots. We have the walks to camera shot. Uh, Pete, it's an oldie but a goodie playbook because that's how you introduce the guy that we've been talking about, at least in contemporary Star Wars, since uh, circa November 2020 when he was first mentioned at the end of uh, the Mandalorian episode where, uh, in many ways, the story gets kicked off. We have built up to this entrance and it does not disappoint, you know, to transition from Sabine attempting to use the force to that rumbling being a familiar yet different shape of a star destroyer with distinctive marking on its underside. And then here comes Kevin Kiner with the space organ Thrawn theme from Star Wars Rebels, okay, all punctuating this hangar. Yeah, you've got the TIE Fighters, but you can see Imperial gunships from Rebels, okay, from the Clone Wars for the first time in live action there on the floor in the hangar. And, you know, to have the subtitles call out Night Troopers, Night Sisters, here with 
the Kintsugi style uh, armor. Okay, and Enoch there with the distinctive gold face and the black eyes. Okay, this is you said arresting. I mean, that's the the perfect word to hit this with. Okay, falling in, walking with Thrawn, who you have to, you know, look, but he's also had some wear to his uniform there up around the collar. Okay. In some spots, it's been repaired. They have seen some stuff and some things. Okay. Down the bottom, the markings of his star destroyer called the chimera. They have now put, that was not there before. They have tattooed the bottom of his star destroyer, which has also got gold, flourishes like the kintsuki um so you know the uh, overall aesthetic and the design put back together okay we're dealing with night sisters and not the direct of we have reanimated your army or they have you know been through whatever that's coming but the backstory is there visually, and Filoni is unfurling it as we go. And of course, Thrawn, eager to escape this exile, all of that firmly established. Uh, there's going to be a cargo transfer. Why it will take three rotations. Okay, got it. We're not leaving this episode. That's all. Story clock. Indeed. A story clock into next week. Uh, Thrawn is told of this loose thread of their prisoner, Sabine. Um, I guess, among other things, a reminder that the, the great mothers do not see all. In the tapestry of knowledge, this is a loose thread. Uh, Balin takes the credit for having brought her, thinking she might be useful. Oh, by the way, the prisoner is Sabine Wren. Thrawn saying, there's a familiar name. I have to say, Pete, I know that Lars Mikkelsen playing this character, voicing this character uh, in Rebels. Um, I know that that predates the recent, the recent uh, Timothy Zahn Thrawn trilogy, which I listened to on audiobook. Um, but the guy that they got for the audiobook series um, clearly took Mikkelsen's lead here because as soon as live action Thrawn, who again, you know, same actor in in animation i was like oh my goodness this is 100 percent the character that was being performed in the audiobook though it was not lars mickelson just that i mean pitch perfect i had goosebumps because i've gone on the literary adventure with thrawn for that book trilogy and so forth and it's just it's star wars doing the star wars thing man you know to bring him over really seems the most logical move I have one, one small, uh, it's not a complaint. One thing I don't think is quite working, the, the wig. Um, it's very apparent uh, at times because of the volume, because of what they're using behind him, the shape of it at which it's shot is distracting. Um, he doesn't have the fullest head of hair, hence 
you know, the the black wig to begin with. I, I say this as a bald man uh, and he's got more hair than me. Um, so that's the only thing. But, you know, they've got the subtle ridges. You've got the red eyes, all of that. And I think the choice to have him showing these visible signs of exile. I mean, listen, the, the makeuping, uh, the costuming will get better the more they use it. We've seen this with Ahsoka. We've, we've seen this when they introduce these more complicated prosthetics. Um, they take a little bit of time to, to get them down. So I have no worry about by the time we see Filoni's movie that, you know, they'll be able to shoot him from all angles. And, you know, we will completely believe that this blue skinned alien has a full head of hair. But that that's my small, small criticism at this point. But he is the guy to to play Star Wars's version of evil Sherlock Holmes. Pete, could it be a, a setup to turn lemons into lemonade? Is Thrawn, who's so uh, particular about pre-planning and appearance and perception, all of that, do we have in the climactic fight, showdown, etc., all of a sudden it's revealed that Thrawn is wearing a wig and that he's more worn in these many years? Um, that, that's not a direction I, I saw coming. I mean, would he... Would he be so vain that he's that he's patched up his uniform? I mean, clearly the Star Destroyer laundry has not been a, a thing they've paid a lot of attention to on this ship. <laughs> um so yeah, maybe, you know, he's he's got a he's got a what's the is it a boulangerie you would go to for your old uh, wig or whatever? I, I don't know. Uh, certainly, I suppose time will tell with all of that. Uh, he meets the prisoner, Sabine Wren, face to face. They trade elegant barbs back and forth. Uh, and somewhat surprisingly, he's not only aware of her agreement with Balin, but he's going to facilitate it. I'm talking provisions. I'm talking amount. I'm talking the latest intel on Ezra Bridger. Um, she's going to walk. And of course, it is noted once they leave, she will be stranded here forever, which is its own sort of subtle story clock because I don't, I don't think, Pete, the last episode of this season, perhaps as a series, I don't think it ends up with her and Ezra on this planet. Meanwhile, Ahsoka fights thrown back in you know the regular star wars galaxy the thing to understand if you have no knowledge of grand admiral thrawn from rebels from the books even by reputation is he has beaten you before you've taken your first step uh and why he remains such a threat and so different from anything encountered at this point is He's got all this strategy, and we see it toward the end of the episode. Knowledge is his greatest ally, and he's going to use it every way he can. He knows of the bond. He's fought these characters before, and he's going to completely exploit it, and he's going to get in their heads, which they know and they still run into. Okay, Sabine is intelligent, and she knows this is a deal with the devil, yet 
she's still desperate enough to take it, being blinded by seeing her friend, the the potential even that Thrawn tells her. It's, it's a calculated move. Oh, and he may also be dead um, in this cold, calculated manner that only Lars Mikkelsen can uh, deal with at this point. I mean, the, the two Mikkelsen brothers and what they've brought to Star Wars uh, between Rogue One and now this, uh, yeah, the, the legacy will forever be theirs. The howler, the bat dog horse beast is brought wolf. in. What, some wolf in there, absolutely. Sabine is properly kitted out and off she goes into the wastes at the temple. Uh, the, the other shoe drops a bit as Balin and Shin reflect on the fact that they will chase after her soon enough. You see, Pete, her opportunity to find Ezra has been promised. The support to leave this place to try and go find him. Uh, nobody ever mentioned subparagraph 3, subsection 8, in which, you know, our primary villains for the series will remain a villainous threat behind her. Yes, uh, Shin calling Sabine's quest a fool's errand, but Thrawn directing Balin and her to follow at their own pace. Uh, Shin wants to know what about honoring that agreement, which Thrawn tells her he will, and Sabine will have the opportunity to find Ezra, and if she does, they will kill her as they leave. Uh, Sabine rides on, seeing a bird of prey, and the howler sniffs, and she steadies it and scans the area. Uh, when a nomad shoots the scanner out of her hand, knocking her off the howler who rides off, Sabine exchanges fire with several attackers, deflecting their shots with her armor and seeking cover. She uses her lasso and fights in close quarters, where her blaster is shot from her hand and she's knocked down. She gets back up, igniting her lightsaber and overpowers them, the last running off when she reduces his staff to slag. I know I saw something on Instagram, I think it was, that was like, you know, do you remember when Star Wars fights used to be amazing? Well, uh, first of all, I remember the first lightsaber fight was not amazing. Um, Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. It was the most amazing one for the time, you know, blah, blah, blah. Point being, I, I thought of that briefly in this fight, which is which is a, a perfectly wonderful fight. Um, either you're going to have the actor clearly in the scene or you're going to clearly have stunt people, particularly on a TV show. I know this is a special kind of TV show. It's a Lucasfilm and it's got two main units filming simultaneously and all, all of that. But you know, this is also not, we are going to dedicate, you know, months and months of prep. So, you know, so actors can be, um, preparing for this, uh, a mid season, mid episode fight here. Uh, coincidentally, she left her helmet behind, which means, as I said, plenty of close ups, plenty of mid shots where you see it's her and all of that. And I'd rather have the actor playing somebody who is capable, but not highly trained in the Jedi arts and highly trained in, in combat. Um, I know she's had combat experience in the rebellion, but you know, somebody who's not 
a, you know, a, a, a death trooper, that kind of thing. I'd rather see her face and see the actor do it and it be less than the most amazing sword fight I've ever seen. Any altercation that has a lightsaber in it for me is stellar enough. Um, and we don't need to over choreograph. Uh, so it, it's, it's fine. It's what it needs to be. I like the humor injected to the scene there. All right, I'm going to fight you with a staff. Uh, oh, no, I don't have a staff anymore. Uh, have these guys face lightsabers before? Probably not. Okay, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in theories since Sabine has Ezra's old lightsaber and we didn't see him with one. Um, with that... Uh, Sabine finds the scanner destroyed and she walks off um, as Balin and Shin enter the wasteland on howlers of their own while night troopers load coffin-sized tubes onto Thrawn's ship. Uh, Thrawn and Morgan uh, view a star map. Uh, Enoch comes to tell him that Balin and Shin have left. And he tells Enoch to prepare two attack squads and wait for Balin's signal. Uh, Morgan asks, hey, shouldn't we send more troops to support them? And Thrawn pauses for a moment before explaining that during his exile, their numbers have dwindled. So two squads will suffice. He says their primary objective is to escape this galaxy and that it doesn't matter if Sabine and Ezra die or are stranded the same for Balin and Shin. Back to Sabine. She, she yells at her howler uh, who eventually cutesy wootsies its way back into her good graces. Um, they end up in another clearing, this one with more rocks after some some sniffing, some potential, you know, oh, the howler senses something, but it's not actually something. Uh, we see the introduction of what my notes call the noty turtle rock crab thingies. Uh, first, crab people. <laughs> first uh, one of one, then one of many, uh, adorable in their small stature, uh, the the or the main one recognizing the Jedi symbol on Sabine's pauldron. Not the Jedi symbol, the rebellion. Uh, pardon me. Yes, indeed. The rebellion Phoenix. Um, and they even recognize the name Ezra Bridger, Ezra Bridger, which on the one hand is kind of convenient on the flip side. Hey, we only have so many episodes left. Uh, I think we're headed to Ezra Bridger. Let's go. Yes. Uh, with their cute little outfits under, their shell on top of that can't wait for the disney gallery to how they did this is it uh you know uh did, did they take performers and you know put them in front of the camera and it's the trickery is is this uh you know uh some form of puppetry um but to cut from that to balin examining the lightsaber slashed nomad staff and uh, extrapolating that Sabine has survived here. Um, Shin asking if he knows Ezra, uh, which he does not, 
as Ezra was too young, coming from a breed of Boken Jedi, trained in the wild after the temple fell. Like me, right? Says Shin. Uh, but no, you were not trained as a Jedi. Uh, you were trained as something more. Um, and Shin asks if Balin misses the order, to which he confesses the idea is what he misses, but not the truth, not the weakness. Um, he said there was no future there. And she asks if he sees one in this wasteland, uh, which he says was once the great witch kingdom of the Dathomiri. Shin says the great mothers seem eager themselves to leave it, and maybe they should be too. She really does not like witches. Uh, but Balin proposes the witches flee a greater power than their own and tells Shin something calls to him that she can't hear or see. Uh, she just sees the bandits on that rock there looking down, some of which may have escaped from when Sabine fought them. But Balin stays her. There's, there's no need for bloodshed here. The enemy of their enemy is their friend. He, too, has also read uh, what will eventually, maybe he, he started that uh, aphorism uh, that later they quote in a Star Trek. At the Noti village, we we get some story business here of drawing out the tension, what with campfire, crab person, and uh, wood chopping, crab person, and things of that sort. But we're Space here. Space trailers. Indeed. Uh, but we're here for Ezra, who does reveal himself with a beard. Uh, there's some some kidding back and forth. Um, clearly the story decision, you know, as opposed to they run to each other and hug and laugh. Uh, they Things are drawn out a little bit. Uh, I thought you would have gotten here sooner. You didn't tell me where you were going and so forth. But then they hug. Uh, the, the, the great moment of reunion here. Uh, but they don't linger too long. Indeed, it's time for this village to pack up and move to Lulu Lalu. <laughs> Uh, not telling me how you got here or the sacrifices. I'd prefer to not tell you there, but we get our moment. Iman Esfandi here, who we've seen once as, you know, Rebels era uh, recording on the hologram, uh, Ezra, you know, leaving the, the message for Sabine. Okay. But now this much earned episode six uh, reunion between them okay i know we've got some shippers out there matt and that's fine but this this clearly friend vibe you know uh more like brother sister reunion here okay you mentioned the beard we've got the the scar he's had long since the series we've got some sort of crude chainmail made here he's you know, befriended the crab people, the Noti, uh, who, by the way, I don't know if you caught it in the subtitles, the nomads, the, uh, you know, people Sabine fought, they also speak Noti, which was interesting. It's the Noti speaking Noti in the Noti section of a planet that they might call 
no tea. Uh, we head back to the Star Destroyer where the Great Mothers, plural, wants to speak to Thrawn. They sense uh, uh, someone is coming. We know it's Ahsoka, Pete. The show is called Ahsoka. Uh, but of course, it cannot be the dead Ahsoka. Balin swore that uh, Ahsoka was, was killed. Uh, Thrawn noting the death and resurrection are deceptions played out by Jedi and Night Sisters alike. You see, Pete, they're saving all the really juicy lines for him. Mm -hmm. uh, Balin, uh, again, Balin thinks Ahsoka is dead, but it is noted uh, between Thrawn and Morgan that Balin, as a former Jedi, is therefore flawed. <laughs> therefore, his judgment can be off. Uh, so preparations need to be made for her coming. Yes, give me her whole background. Her master, Matt, of course, that's going to be used against Ahsoka. Thrawn always has all the cards and the way to read them. And ordering Morgan that if a whale approaches Peridia to destroy it with prejudice um, before finally turning to the great mothers that he will once again require the aid of their dark magic with a K um, and they uh, will it because the threat of destiny demands it to end the episode. Time to peer into the force for some theories. History of the Galaxies parts one, two, and three. One being the best, but a lot of fans of those prequels, Matt, think three was the best. See, I thought it was more of a meta. The the, the thirds of the trilogy, like the prequel, you know, the the prequel, the original, the sequels. Uh, oh, so Hu Yang's seen it all? Well, I don't know. No, no, no. Hu Yang's not seen the future, but if there is meta commentary, it might be Dave Filoni, he who sat at the feet of uh, of his master, of George Lucas, reaffirming the importance of the prequel trilogy by saying the first third of three uh, is is the greatest because it is from that that George taught Dave and, and things. Again, this is probably flourish on top of flourish but that is that is what i thought there that perhaps it was again prequel original sequel that it was those were the three parts that perhaps in the meta text hu yang uh and the writer was referring to everybody knows the prequels are the weakest trilogy um the whale graveyard here seeing those gigantic bones that the poor star whales have migrated at the end of this route and and died um and now that thrawn is putting the eye of scion on guard duty when they show up to to blow them up they better not hurt any of those well we know there's a there's a pack coming uh, I don't think they're going to immediately destroy, with prejudice, the one that has Ahsoka's ship in it and thereby destroy her end of series. Um, I, I think we're going to have some Purgle blasted smithereens and, you know, in that age-old writing tool of, you know, he or she who who is mean to animals, therefore is the greatest, the greatest villain of all, that sort of thing. Um, 
I I think too it'll give us a an opportunity for a climactic fight scene, you know, star battle type thing. Um, one would assume in the next episode. But Pete, I would like to talk about these next two episodes, and in my mind, the increasing possibility that we are going to get at the end of episode eight, whatever the Star Wars version is of you know Loki will return in season two. This all Star Wars stories are rich and all Star Wars stories are built to be referencing the larger universe and potentially to spin out as the game, the role-playing set, the cartoon, the spin-off, the this, the that. Um I don't know that even if they even if we get served up two 65-minute episodes in the next two weeks, I don't know that we are wrapping things up to the end. Uh whatever that looks like i i think this i think we're gonna find out again ahsoka will return in season two i think we're gonna get that on screen in the finale because i don't think uh, again i know in a certain sense no star wars story ends at the end it's always okay we beat the empire and the characters continue to do things which maybe get picked up and maybe don't um, but I, I, I don't think we have two episodes left of the Ahsoka series and Toto. I don't know that we have more of an Ahsoka series. We knew when Mandalorian season one was streaming that there was another season coming. We do not know that at this point. We knew with Andor there was another final season coming. I think this is a multi series story that has been established with Mandalorian Ahsoka spinning off of that. I'm not saying there couldn't be a second season. I I think the story moves next to Mandalorian season four. I'm also not sure this point of the story leaves this galaxy. And let's talk these larger repercussions here. So now we have Thrawn. So we know that obviously we're headed eventually into the sequel trilogy, you know, the reappearance of Leia and Han and Luke and all that. I have a hard time believing that uh, if they fought Thrawn, um, I mean, obviously, there was no conception that that would happen when they made the sequel trilogy, that they would go back and, and carve out this space. OK, but I also think that Baloney's not a dummy um, and a threat of this magnitude. The idea that Luke, that Leia would sit it out uh, is is not going to happen. What if they weren't close to it, Matt? You know, because it was in another galaxy. Um, and that's why it's never come up. And, you know, Luke didn't need to jump in on that, or at least for now. I'm not saying that Luke and Leia and, and all heroes past won't eventually be involved. But we also know that the Filoni movie is years away, probably more now, given the labor strife um, and also our technological advances and ways to incorporate that. 
that would seem less expensive and or awkward, difficult, insert adjective there. So why can't it be in this galaxy far, far away for some time? Others can get there, um, but it distances us from the need to, well, you need to have Senator General Organa and you need to have Luke Skywalker to beat this massive threat. I'm going to propose Ahsoka ends with them still out there. You make a strong argument for it. I don't, I feel like emotionally that will be a bit of a downer. Now that said, if it's to serve the larger story of, you know, and whether they say it on screen or not, and to be continued in Mandalorian season four, um, something we have not talked about lately in part because (laughs) promotional materials have yet to appear, but I, I, I will again say, um, with skeleton crew, the John Watts, Filoni, Favreau, um, Star Wars series contemporary, uh, contemporarily taking place to Mandalorian season three slash four to the season of Ahsoka and so forth. You know, the anticipation was it would be out in December of this year. Is that strike affected, uh, or not? Time will tell. Um, but yeah, so I will grant you, yes, there's the possibility that a la end of empire strikes back but wait not everybody's together but wait there's still more to do but wait we're down but not out um could that could this series could this season end on that note and then just be the baton picked up by the next show the next mandalorian season whatever it might be it certainly is possible Uh, emotionally i am against it i feel like we need i will take the marvel-esque Oh my goodness, Thrawn has returned to the Star Wars galaxy. Dun, 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 cut to black. Whether they say to be continued or not, that would be implied that's going to be continued somewhere. Um, so I would vote. If if I can go to the past and vote in that writing room, I'd say hashtag bring Ahsoka home. The Night Sisters here did not have them on my bingo card. Um You know, one is a great mother. They're all referred to as great mothers, what they can do and what is the nature of their deal with Thrawn and how that works. I mean, clearly there's a who uses who angle. Um, The power of one versus the strategy the calculation of the other i when it comes to the to the night sisters i don't know that i needed kind of a a better understanding of why this spot in this galaxy and so forth but i appreciate that the story takes a handful of lines to i guess it was already clear that there had been a night sister connection of course uh but to add to it oh the night sisters were the first ones to ride the whales and presumably to ride the space whales to the star wars galaxy and and so on and so forth so it's, it's kind of just enough to go oh so it's kind of like south pacific people spreading out over the centuries and so forth okay got it that's enough for me to, to kind of understand there um i certainly would agree there's a there's a you know who is using who story aspect um 
let's looking at the next two episodes the, the for the time that we have left does that demand that we have an understanding as to why they are helping Thrawn beyond it is the fabric that is foretold and we must go as the fabric takes us um there could be deeper motivation i just don't know that the story necessarily wants to look at that in the next two episodes so sabine is described as a loose thread they didn't see her coming she doesn't have the force yet matt so now they've baked it into the story why she couldn't be seen therefore she's unpredictable she's the fly in the ointment <laughs> in a show called ahsoka it does set sabine up as once again the every person the us the the luke skywalker just wants to have adopted dad stop yelling at him to do his chores and can't he just plays starfighter in the garage that kind of thing um and it does set up sabine on a certain level sabine on more i won't say redemptive arc but i think just sabine is on your classic hero's journey more than the title character of the show which is uh which is interesting and then when you look at uh sabine's journey here that she's there first that she's given her lightsaber that she's gone now she's she's found ezra and what has been told to us by balin this concept of boken jedi opened up that jedi who were trained after the fall of the order the temple uh in the wild per se you know, we we know the story from Rebels, Kane and Jarrus, uh, you know, uh, underground Jedi who had escaped Order 66 after his master was killed and then putting him into the beginning of the Bad Batch and, and watching that happen um, that's established this lineage, uh, the unpredictable nature and then we find Ezra here. He's chilling with these little, you know, no tea, these crab people, snails, whatever the heck they are, um, that he's befriended them, that he speaks their language, uh, that clearly he's learned uh, in his time there how to get along, um, yet not understanding what happened on the Star Destroyer that he had the Purgle grab and take out here. Uh, did he make a deal with Thrawn? Did the ship hit the surface and it was everybody for themselves and, you know, opening up, unpacking what happened to the Star Destroyer that has been repaired the same way it seems the stormtroopers have been repaired with uh, these elements of gold, again, reminiscent of this Japanese practice of smashing beautiful things and repairing them with precious metals. Lots of story potential there, whether it's further explored in the next two episodes, as I think it, it, it largely will be, uh, or just a flourish to explore at some point in the future. 
um, these these stormtroopers personified by uh, Captain Enoch, played by Wes Chatham, who it's interesting. I mean, so you know, he's 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 an actor seemingly bigger than just guy wearing a mask, uh, particularly uh the entire run of uh playing Emma Burton in the expanse um so on the one hand it's like when will he be unmasked when will be he when will he be revealed and look i again i this guy has a has a a hearty career and so forth flip side is this it's star wars you know i'm reminded of um actor Austin Nichols who played John from Cincinnati in that HBO show the first one to go for one season then get canceled he showed up in agents of shield and so on and so forth point being his career peaked a while ago and i'm not saying that is the case of west chatham but i think it's my point being could this be a part where he's excited to play anybody in star wars and he's not worried necessarily about line count or when does he get to be revealed on screen and things of that sort um so i i, I bring it up here in the theory segment to just say do we get more from him? Could be. Do we spend the next two episodes where he's just simply masked and mysterious and they have a great, they have a very talented actor to be given the voice stuff and given the body stuff, but it's not necessarily part of a larger plan. Any thoughts there or is it, is there no way to tell? We have been on a countdown for the real reunion, Matt, not Sabine and Ezra. Okay. But I'm talking about the BFFs of Grand Admiral Thrawn and Captain Pelion. Ever since Pelion was made flesh at the tail end of uh, season three of The Mandalorian. Okay. Captain Enoch may be involved in that. He may not be. Okay. Uh, but every admiral needs a great captain behind him and what Enoch's deal is, what all of the night troopers deal uh, is here. It's, it's mystery at this point uh, that they're called night troopers. All right. We've got that. There were reports calling them the Enoch, which clearly somebody who uh, overheard or was around and the leak misunderstood. That's a character's name. Okay, um, this cargo that they're uploading to the ship, Matt, what's in the boxes? Well, I know this. They're not they're not hustling to load it up. Seeing as how it's going to take three rotations, maybe a little pep in the step there. We could turn that to, to two and a half rotations, maybe even two. Um, if they are zombified, magicified bodies and so forth that could explain it if it ends up just being a bunch of guys in old stormtrooper outfits i i will default to uh maybe you should have had your whether it was your digital doubles or your extras that you're doing you know b-roll footage background footage whatever it is they could have sped up a little bit as for what's in there i mean whatever it is let's just kind of look at chain of custody here whatever it is it's important enough to be in the the bowels of the temple not default on the star destroyer um therefore it suggests a a night sister um kind of ownership or custody or something like that 
So, you know, it's funny. On the one hand, it's like magic in Star Wars, really? And then you're like, oh, right, the Jedi essentially are magic people. Right. I shouldn't complain about there being witch magic because there's also, you know, wizard magic. Understood. Um, The notion that there's some sort of night sister, dark magic um, intrusion into the main Star Wars galaxy. I think that that's that's an interesting one. And for as much as this episode muses doubly on the stories of old and the cycle of good and evil, and there's always an empire being pulled down by the Republic or the Republic pulled down by the empire. Um, the notion of what I'll rather poorly call, you know, like the magic war, like that would be different as a storytelling flourish to be tying together um, maybe elements of skeleton crew, maybe not, but to, to kind of be a, to, to be the 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 rebellion war of of now of the next couple of years in uh, across these star wars stories um the war against the magics that could be fun and that could be a differentiator from it's the empire it's the sith who will lead to the empire it's the remnants of the empire now run by you know kind of proto sith and all of that so I, that might be where we're headed question mark there's lots of potential there's also a lot of clues okay enoch first speaks an alien language it's not identified as the noti language so but it was also chronologically first maybe it is okay so there's that and that stormtroopers night troopers are speaking in anything less than basic and standard than english okay is is different but again when you're stranded out in another galaxy for years okay exile you're gonna make do okay the thing that thrawn speaks about uh you know oh we can only send two squads because dwindled numbers and we only saw the hangar bay night troopers um is this all that he has is this all that the night sisters could bring back did he lose them all um you know and then you bring in the balin aspect of he feels that there's a greater power there he hears it it's it's uh it's calling to him he's looking for a new beginning he wants to break the cycle um are the uh, the Noti gonna with Ezra and Sabine uh, lead an Ewok uprising against them? You know the the underdog beats the the power that's firmly established. I just don't know that there's enough in in two maybe hourish long episodes still to finish here. That's why I'm wondering: is it something that becomes? even bigger across series i think that uh, look from a from the perspective of, of a star wars fan that would be welcome um we have frequently compared star wars to star trek to marvel in terms of how those properties have been executed in the last 10 years and all of that I have to wonder, you know, here we've seen this this conservative storytelling nature in Star Wars, not conservative in, in a political sense, but, you know, the, the the road littered by the bodies of movies yet unmade and all of that. 
Um, are there Star Wars discussions behind closed doors where they say, yeah, the feeling is Marvel has gotten too big and it's it's out of control. And do you need to remember Moon Knight, how it ended? Is Do you need to know that so that you can understand the mid-credits scene in the Marvels ahead of the next show? Da, 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 you know, and I'm not saying I'm not saying that Marvel is too big. I think maybe it could use a little it could drop 10 pounds, but um I just wonder if it, is that a creative discussion happening at Star Wars where maybe three years ago there was the appetite for there was the appetite to grow to that side to grow to a, an MCU size, and now maybe it's like, ooh. You know what? Maybe Gina helped us out by taking out Rangers of the New Republic and slowing things down there. And maybe it does become, as I think, Pete, we both have circled. Maybe it's that maybe that the larger issues return to the Mandalorian. So Mandalorian season four, if people are like, but where is this blue guy from? Oh, there's eight episodes of a show I didn't check out. Let me go check out Ahsoka. Ooh, I enjoyed it. Let me go watch the animated and so forth. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I'm always very interested, as always, on you know internal story stuff and external. And you know, at the end of the day, the stewards of Star Wars clearly are very concerned about that stewardship and about maintaining a high quality for for Star Wars. Flip side again. This is a we see Thrawn this week. He was foretold in November or December 2020. Now you want to say, all right, well, add a year because of COVID slowdown, COVID protocol, COVID catch up, and so forth. Maybe we should have gotten this sooner in a non-COVID world. Uh, okay, still, it took some time. So they're they're committed to the long game as well as shorter term stuff. So are these night troopers reanimated? Are they zombies? Um, the language would maybe speak to no, but we don't know the rules of it. Um, you know, much was made, Matt, of a stormtrooper helmet in the Adelphi uh, base bar that looked like the cover of the uh, Death Troopers novel from 2009 written by Joe Schreiber. Uh, hey, that's an Easter egg. Um, okay, it's it's got schmutz on it. Whatever. It's it's just uh, it, it looks like that. Um, now it seems we have Death Troopers. Are are they doing this? Will this be a bigger, longer story? The potential to bring zombies into this world that you know we've had wizard magic for a long time the idea of you know bringing characters back from the dead thrawn says it <laughs> death resurrection played out by both jedi and night sister it's all there you mentioned earlier the kind of constraints in terms of we know where we need to end up with the uh sequel trilogy and there's always the tension when do Luke there's a and trilogy? Well, there's a trilogy. There's at least one movie coming after. And we also know the emperor comes back from the dead. Uh, so you could just say, well, this begins the path upon which ultimately the emperor is 
resurrected now or later and or the threat that Ray and the reestablished Jedi Order could be fighting in a movie uh, when that gets made. But that's like a good 20 years away in Star Wars chronology. I think, look, I think at a certain point you can say, we're not going to, we're not going to spend a ton of story resources on more de-aging Luke and computer generated Leia. And can we get Harrison Ford in there to do a more de-aging and, and so on and so forth. Um, I think it's, I think you have a, you you potentially have a chunk of time that can, that can continue to be explored in this Mandalorian era. Um, the potential of, again, what I'll just call the magic war, the potential of something like that. Um, I, I why might it not spill over to the heroes of the original trilogy? Um, I mean, maybe it's something that's being kept uh, at the outer rim and people on Coruscant, not only would they not believe it, but they wouldn't even want to hear it. They're just trying to keep the government together, you know, things of that sort. Um, I, I, I think there are compelling clues thus far that this could be part of, you know, could be part of a larger ongoing thread and that this, you know, here we are kind of lamenting, oh, there's only two episodes to go for this series. It could well be the beginning of this next major arc. The marking on the underside of Thrawn's Star Destroyer, the Chimera, is a, a symbol that has appeared in uh, on Thrawn novels, uh, in graphic novels, in comic books, the Chimera itself, this monstrous creature, uh, looks like it's got multiple heads and spider legs. Uh, it's referred to as the Maricosa, uh, the symbol of the, the Maricosa subclan. And this, this goes directly to Thrawn's backstory. You know, it's funny. <laughs> Once upon a time, a long time ago, um, the extent of Star Wars mythology was one movie, right? And then three movies. Um, but we've now reached a point with the extended universe stuff, both canonical and legends and all of this, where there's all these things that can be reached for. And, you know, hey, we need something to make this star destroyer look different than the thousands that have come before it on screen look as you're saying pete there's an answer it's got a name not every star destroyer uh, star destroyers are have names certainly in the books and so forth but like boom this is the chimera a name that's been around since the 1990s and where are we going to get the logo from well it's been drawn here and, and and workshopped there and described in another place so Again, not to bring it back to Marvel versus Star Wars, not that that's really a, a conflict, but it's just interesting that Star Wars that once upon a time existed, the, the attempt was to have it exist as a bigger, slightly bigger than the size of the script, to give you that impression that really is a full universe, and now there's a universe worth of details that can be pulled from to, to quickly uh, make authentic a Star Destroyer, a character, or this or that. Ahsoka largely sitting all this out. We know that she's coming, but Thrawn, you give him a minute, he's good. You give him more time. Nay, unstoppable. Uh, come on, 
who was her master. He's going to know he already knows it was Anakin. It was the eventual Darth Vader. I don't think we're done with Hayden Christensen. And we know that he will weaponize this. And she's coming right into it. Yeah, there's stuff in the most recent Thrawn trilogy, which is um, is kind of book book canonical, um, as opposed to the older stuff that's been relegated to Legends. Um, as I, I know that Thrawn interacts with um, Darth Vader in the second book. And, and I can't... mentions Anakin to him. Yeah, yeah. Well, well that's just it. I, I can't remember where the, the book implies that Thrawn has figured out the connection or if the book makes it clear that he has. But regardless, um, you know, Timothy Zahn was brought in, the author of the book, the, the author of the original Thrawn trilogy, the new Thrawn trilogy, the Thrawn flashback trilogy, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, he was brought in to consult for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that was more than a show of, you know, like a PR show of reverence. I think that was genuinely... You know, Filoni wants to get Thrawn right, and Filoni doesn't own Thrawn. You know, um, if anyone is the father of Thrawn, it's it's uh, Timothy Zahn who wrote the books and all that jazz. So, point being, it's already there in the Zahn stuff, whether the the series wants to use it or not. It's already there that there's that kind of layers of connection, and um, yeah, there's no way there's no way Thrawn goes. Oh, you were uh, trained by Anakin Skywalker. Uh, what a guy. Next. like They're <laughs> going to do something with it. They've got to. Yeah, it's it's all going to come down here. Now, listen, you know, what you didn't have was the confab of, hey, uh, so Grand Admiral Thrawn, some, some stuff's happened since you've been out here. Um, the Empire fell. Uh, the Emperor was thrown into the Death Star by uh, Darth Vader. Um, you're our last great hope. I mean, the belief is this has happened off screen or uh, at a, a moment of highest tension that that exposition could be given by Morgan or Thrawn may have found out some way already and is certainly bright enough to figure things out. Um, but he is the worst kind of nightmare for our characters in that they know he exists. He's real, but they also have no idea the depths of his intellect and how he's going to twist, manipulate, um, you know, hence, Ezra having to be his most unpredictable. I'm not going to tell my friends that I'm going to summon these star whale to wrap them up and bring them out and take him out of the equation. Uh, You're welcome rebellion. I had described the, the Thrawn character to my wife as the third, the third best star Wars villain after Darth Vader and the emperor. Um, And I think that it's, not to continue to hammer home this point of, hey, they're headed towards a, a larger story arc, but to think of where the Mandalorian started, where it literally is, you know, it's a guy on his own in this magic LED space, and you're doing, you're com- coming up with a bunch of stuff that looks good on camera to go, it's the ice 
space western sound it's uh, a space on the sound stage it's the you know it's the desert and so forth but at a certain point you go we're slowly growing the mando corner of the star wars universe um it does at a certain point beg you know we need the big threat and to take this threat that in live action has been on the bench for all these years and to bring it to a period of time where you could have a pick a number you could have a one two three year throng night sister war you could have a little you know something that's not necessarily the galaxy in peril but major offensive going on in the outer rim or whatever it might be um you could do that and you could get a ton of story mileage out of it across these shows and so forth again in a time period that has not been explored in canon um so it's like you know the villain shall rise to meet this story need what did our rebel friends have to say we go to twitter pete where it was a turtle vote how many crabby alien turtles would you give this episode uh one turtle uh subtitled alien yawns got three percent two uh, turtles alien mang you know giving the meh got zero percent three turtles alien chortles got 12.1 percent and four uh turtles alien exclaims got 84.8 percent some replies on twitter james the sagacious big killing on twitter he says so good thinking about all the ways the story could go makes my head spin four-way lightsaber face-off or light dark team up against a yet unseen big bad uh, James asked, didn't uh, Noel Gardner at Noel Camille predict three witches? Sabine's track had a Lord of the Rings uh, vibe. What's in the box? And uh, Noel Gardner replies and says the boxes were in the catacombs. Catacombs are burial sites. The Night mm-hmm. Sisters are known for resur- resurrections. Zombieish army of witches. The boxes were making eerie clicking sounds too. So just Pete potential on top of potential there. Yeah, and I love that we don't firmly know at this point let the let the mystery marinate uh continuing with twitter we hear from i'll always call it twitter uh, at kclyle1 i feel like people who watch the animated shows enjoyed this way more than me the thrawn and ezra appearances didn't mean much to me aside from having heard their names so much in this show still enjoyed it though the story is great and the noti and witches were cool uh, we hear formally from Major Noel Gardner at Noel Camille. Uh, I thought after last week that episode six would take a beat, but it did not. We got Thrawn, Ezra, Night Sister Lore, and the start of storytelling with Hu Yang. With all of that, the best part for me were all the adorable creatures we met, the Noti and Scruffy uh, Horse Wolf. I loved it all. Continuing here, Pete from Andre Yeager at Dr. Polo 1983. Thrawn really knows how to make an entrance. This show keeps getting better each week, and we only had about five minutes of Ahsoka. The Sabine and Ezra reunion was so sweet. I think next week's show is going to be action-packed. Can't wait. We hear from Spider-Ham Lincoln at Tess LC139. The presence of Thrawn and the return of Ezra were certainly standout moments in this episode. The Dathomiri Witches too. But my favorite moment was Hiang starting the story with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It was a sublime moment in a stellar episode. And uh, James is sagacious replies and says, I believe our hosts are 50-50 on those Star Wars catchphrase moments. 
Um, I know what he's talking about, Pete. I think it depends when they get used. I, Pete, I think the 50-50 is me saying when Jason said, I have a bad feeling about this. I appreciate the use of the line. I felt it was, it was maybe you know one lump of sugar too much, but uh, <laughs> I think we can both agree Hu Yang's lines here are perfect. Yes. Uh, we hear from Diana Bodenberg on Twitter. Just when I thought this show couldn't top itself, it proves me wrong. Hu Yang said the thing. I felt like that meme of Leo D pointing at the TV. <laughs> Zombie troopers, anyone? Their armor with gold in the cracks reminds me of the Japanese tradition of repairing ceramics with gold called uh, King's Dutsugi. Uh, oh, Dave, you clever, clever man. Uh, Thrawn and Ezra were perfect. Thrawn was so menacing and Imanis Fondi as Ezra was perfect. I really like Ezra's outfit, very Middle Eastern-like feel. I loved the Noti, and I'm not surprised that Ezra is protecting a group of beings. I think Sabine would have told him what's going on, but I don't think Ezra will be too pleased to find out. He sacrificed nine years of his life, and it was all undone with the choice she made. Yikes, I'm looking forward to seeing what Rick Famuyiwa has in store for us in the last two episodes. I'm sure he will nail it. I would like a pet howler, please, Mr. Filoni. Please and thank you. I mean, we have to eventually break that news to Ezra. Um, interesting, the role he's been cast in here, and I think by Balin talking about Jedi trained outside the temple, wildlings, you know, learning on their own or learning the bits they get from people who are held over. Uh, there's, there's rumors. He does not have a lightsaber that he's using the force differently. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see where this could go. Last tweet, Pete comes from Ben Larson. That's at Larson Ben. I've been prepared for Thrawn to not show up until the finale. So I'm stoked that we're getting, uh, three episodes of him. Lars Mickelson is awesome. His voice is just perfect for the character. Exactly how I'd imagined it way back when I first read Heir to the Empire in the early 90s. Uh, and to the email inbox we go, we hear from Ian Silverman, who says, As I imagine was the case for many fans, I couldn't help but allow myself a huge grin upon hearing the words with which Yang began his story to Ahsoka at the start of the episode, and then to see the title of the episode, uh, let's just say that this series is getting very meta, and I'm here for it. It was very cool to see some live-action versions of the Witches of Dathomir, or whatever kind of distant cousins those three were. But come on, we have we obviously have to talk about live-action Thrawn. The hype and build-up for this were plenty, uh, were pretty out of control. But I have to say, he did not disappoint. The white uniform, the red eyes, the voice. I haven't read any of the novels, so for me, it was always that voice that defined him as a character in Rebels. And there it was, just as calm, cold, and calculating as I remember. Thank goodness they were able to get Lars Mikkelsen to play this character in live action. However good anything else might be, I'm not sure Filoni at all would or should have even made this show if they couldn't get the same actor to play the character. Also great to see Ezra. He's all grown up. Those creatures were super cute. Definitely giving off some Princess Leia meets the Ewoks on Endor vibes. I was glad to see that your theory about Ezra having turned to the dark side seems to have been wrong. I do wonder, though, what he'll say when he finds out about what it costs Sabine to get there. Would he still think that she saw things through like he'd asked her to do? I'm glad we got a, a little bit more of a glimpse into what Balin's own personal agenda is for joining forces with Morgan and making this trip to Paradia. But we still don't know much, and I hope we're able to get some more explanation on that. 
To that point, I've listened to enough Fantastic Geek podcasts from Matt and Pete to have taught me about the concept of a story clock. <laughs> and so as much as I've enjoyed these last two episodes, I'm really wondering if uh, only two more episodes will be enough to tie up all the plot threads, bring the season to a narratively satisfying conclusion. If the answer is no, but that's because there will be a season two and or this story that's and slash or this story and these characters will <laughs> spill over into parts of season four of The Mandalorian. I would love that, but I don't think there's any way to know one way or another at this point. Wondering if you guys have thoughts on this. There we go, Pete. Great minds think alike. Something we've we've, we've discussed. Uh, Ian mm-hmm. says otherwise. Thanks as always for everything you do. Can't wait for next week and stay fantastic. That's from Ian Silverman in San Diego, California. Thank you, Ian. Yeah, I mean, there'll, there'll be a tie up to this season still not knowing if there'll be more of an ahsoka show proper but the thrawn stuff will continue past last email coming from steve uh, who says thrawn looked great it was wonderful to hear that cold calm voice again he sounds like a man who is always in control of the situation even when the unexpected occurs i was glad to get more of a look into balan's motivations even if we don't have a full picture really enjoyed the little rock trolls but the scene where sabine found them did feel a little like that scene from frozen where the trolls appeared there I really hope I'm not the only one who thought of this. Steve, I thought of that as well. The reunion between Ezra and Sabine was well done, yet emo- uh, emotional yet measured. Very nice. I'm still enjoying this show a great deal, and I cannot wait for next week. Until then, stay fantastic. Thank you. I mean, I was so emotionally unprepared for the reunion here, and, and you felt it. Um it's going to be uh, even more emotional when she's got to take him down and explain how she got there. Pete, this sojourn to the galaxy beyond this one could not have been done without those who support us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek. So thanks to all who support us there and a reminder that all, regardless of whether you support us on Patreon, all can find the link to our uh, Sunday, September 24th. That's tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, fantastic geek 10th anniversary chat fest gala yes so get over to patreon.com slash fantastic geek with a ph all one word uh see that for free uh choose maybe to contribute takes us a dollar a month to get you there and you get access to everything um can't contribute get over to apple Podcasts. leave us a rating to this podcast feed to any of our 34 Eventually be 35 with Skeleton Crew uh, podcast feeds. Pete, of course, looking forward to the continuing Star Wars adventures here. How can people be in touch with you on social media? You can find me on Twitter and threads as Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,645 followers can't be wrong well i'm personally on twitter is looking back lost do be in touch with the podcast comment on fantasticgeek.com check us out on twitter instagram gmail and threads where we are fantastic geek as well but we pete there's more facebook.com slash fantastic geek with a ph all one word like it today tomorrow we continue our sojourn to the stars to talk the latest episode of uh, star trek lower decks and of course back next star wars saturday for the penultimate season episode of ahsoka with that pete 
I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. What was first just a dream has become a frightening reality for those who may oppose us. Thank you.